we all find ourselves, even this morning, searching for something. If you don't believe me, ask the founders and stockholders of Google. They'll tell you that we are a society who is looking for something. Be it the kids at our house, if there is a question that we don't know the answer to or something that they need information about, in some ways their fallback is to ask Google. And then, lest we think it is only for the younger generation, we had an opportunity to spend a little time with Dana's mother and her grandmother, who is in her 90s, and we were talking about a particular city in Germany, where she's from and lived up until about two years ago. And my mother-in-law broke out this atlas. I need to tell Jonah and Elijah what that is, is it's a book, and it has maps in it, and it's all in one place, right? And, and we were kind of thumbing through that, and Dana's grandmother, who is in her 90s, said to me, translated through my mother-in-law, well, let's just check your phone. You can pull it up on your phone and find out all the information that I want to have about this, this city. We're all looking for something. Maybe it's not information this morning that you seek. Maybe you seek truth, peace, hope. Maybe it's the newest product that will solve whatever problem it is that we find ourselves facing. Our scripture this morning is a well-known and in many ways beloved passage. One that we typically associate with Christmas. As you already know, the 12 days of Christmas, of course, begin December 25th. And the thought was that one calendar day, one 24-hour day is just insufficient to fully realize and celebrate the truth of what Christmas represents. So the church fathers and the church mothers said, let's make it a 12-day feast beginning on December 25th, and you go 12 days from there all the way until January 5th, and then, and then we'll roll right from the 12 days of Christmas directly into Epiphany, which was last Wednesday. And the Epiphany represents the coming of light, the coming of light specifically in the person of the Lord Jesus and hearkens to this story from Matthew 2. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who, was, who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. Now when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. 
And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go, search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen, when it rose, it went before them, until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. And then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. May God bless the reading and hearing of his word. One way, and the way that I will approach just over the next few moments this passage this morning, is by recognizing that each set of characters mentioned was seeking something. We could consider King Herod, for instance. King Herod the Great. He was desperately seeking the preservation of his own power, his own authority. You may already know a thing or two about the character of this dreadful king. He was one who could check all the boxes of a first century tyrant. Among the lowlights of his life, he murdered many of his own family, including the one that he had set aside as his quote-unquote favorite of his ten wives. Additionally, he had his own brother killed, the grandfather of one of his wives, and some of his own children. On one occasion, he had the whole ruling body of the Jewish Sanhedrin murdered. He reigned as king from about 37 B.C. to around 4 A.D. Christ's birth came, obviously, toward the latter portion of King Herod's long reign. By the time of Christ's arrival, King Herod had lived and ruled a very long time. He really could not have expected, King Herod meaning, could not have expected to be living by the time that this new baby was capable of ascending to the throne. Yet he still felt threatened. He was possessed by a craving for power and driven to dominate in his rule. Power. Power remains a very dangerous motive, doesn't it? Probably this is true just as much in a household or a workplace as it is in a palace. What's the old phrase? Power corrupts absolute. Power corrupts absolutely. Herod was driven by his unquenchable unquenchable quest to maintain power. In fact, it drove him crazy. He was certainly capable of doing what he did in the next couple of chapters where he says, well, or the next couple of verses we didn't read, where he says, any baby two years or younger should be killed. The idea being, well, we'll we'll just take them all out and that way we'll, we'll be able to take care of this one that the wise men went to worship because he could represent a threat to the power that I will do anything 
to keep. The chief priests and teachers of the law also mentioned, these are the ones that Herod called. When the wise men came and said, we have seen a star, he assembled them all together and asked them where the Christ was to be born. And they responded. They weren't seeking power that they didn't have. Instead, instead, typically, from this point on, the goal of the chief priests and teachers of the law is to maintain the status quo, to maintain things as they are. In this initial entry of them into the gospel, there is no hint, there is no hint of the conflict that would come to exist between Jesus and these groups as Matthew's gospels and or Matthew's gospel and those of the other gospel writers were written. In the end, though, these were the Jewish groups most responsible for Jesus' death. At this point, and during Jesus' ministry, they were simply trying to maintain tradition and keep things as they were. I don't know that it's unique to churches. I think it's kind of a unique, I think it's kind of true of any kind of institution, so to speak. That sometimes we have a, a tendency, we being the broader institution, not we being Willard Avenue, although we probably fall into it sometimes. As an institution, you look at what has got you where you are, and the idea becomes that you just maintain and, and do what you've done to that point. I'll be honest, as your pastor, I remember coming up to the sanctuary would have been in early May. Come up here. I came up here one weekday afternoon. And I was thinking about what I was going to do. I was going to move all the hymnals. Right? And, and, and we had met as deacons and decided that we would, we would not take up an offering as we had for, shoot, a decade since I've been here. And long before that, that we wouldn't pass out bulletins. And how in the world were we going to celebrate communion in a way that was safe? In some ways, in 2020, I asked you all to move beyond traditions that felt safe, that felt comfortable. We decided that we wouldn't walk around and shake hands and greet one another. Now, do we, have, do we have room and will 2021 present us opportunities to continue to, 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 to stretch a little bit and do things that feel maybe like, yeah, I liked it better the way it was before? Shoot, I don't know, maybe. If you would have told me the second Sunday of 2020 that I would be looking out a year later at a bunch of people wearing masks, I would have said, what? What? What happened? <laughs> so I want to commend you. I want to commend you for being a group of people, primarily in an age range where society would say, oh, they don't like change, right? I don't like change either. <laughs> I think we can do it. 
I think we've demonstrated that we can do it, that, that we don't rely on the status quo to be able to live as God's people, that we recognize that sometimes things have to change. The scribes and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, unfortunately, at least as portrayed in the Gospels, really never got past that. They said, no, we, we have to do it the way we've always done it. I want to dissuade any fears. Oh, here comes the part where he says, and here's how things are going to change. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what God's going to call us to do, but I would, I would encourage us. I would encourage us not to seek, not to seek the belief that our survival is based on doing things the way we've always done them. In this, in this, this last calendar year, it was the opposite. Our survival required us to do things differently. Maybe that will be true of us this year, too. So Herod sought power. The scribes and the Pharisees sought tradition. And then there are the Magi, the wise men. Foreigners who were seeking the newborn king of the Jews. And they couldn't ask Google. They couldn't ask Siri or Alexa or put it in their GPS. Their quest was dependent on a bright light in the sky. They were from the east, probably from Persia, considered to be very skilled scientists of that day. Probably specialized in things like philosophy and medicine science, even astrology. The star first led them to Jerusalem and then to Bethlehem and then to the house where the young child lay. My time's almost up and I'm going to shut it down here, but I, I appreciate the idea that the specific direction that God, would, the specific house that God would lead them to was not first known. They had to be obedient only to what they knew initially. Right, it, looks like, it looks like we need to go west. We'll start walking. Right? They didn't know where they'd end up. And then even when they got to the general land where he was, they went to the wrong place. They, they went to the palace where they thought the king would be. And then the light shone over the house where he was. Sometimes obedience is just a single step at a time. You don't have to know the destination. You just need to start walking in the general direction. And the Lord who gave the light to the wise men will give light to you too. To lead you to the house where the child lay. Herod sought power. Chief priests and teachers of the law sought to maintain tradition and the status quo. The magi, the outsiders in the story, sought the newborn king so that they might worship him. So the question remains, what do we seek this morning? My guess is, by your presence, that you've come this day genuinely seeking the Lord. And most of us realize the, the great damage in seeking anything else, ultimately, whether it be power or wealth or pride or whatever the case may be. All of these represent enemies to the true worship of God. And so this, on this Sunday after Epiphany, may we reflect on that which we truly seek and ask the Lord to redirect us if it be anything but that 
which drove the wise men. Amen.